cradled in my arms. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Next Best Theater. I'm your host, Michael Schwartz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Nicole Ackman. Hi, everybody. Dan Bayer. Hello, hello, hello. Casey Lee Clark. Hello. Cody Derricks. Mama's talking smooth. (laughs) And for the first time on NBT, please give a warm welcome to Lauren LaMagna. Taking my center stage life. (laughs) Lauren, we are so happy to have you join the NBT team. Many of our listeners know and love you from Next Best Picture, but they may not know about your theater interests. So would you mind just telling everyone about your background with theater or maybe some of your favorite shows? Any quick facts that you want to share with everyone? Of course. So I grew up on Long Island, which is just a short turn right into the city. My dad loves theater, so he would always expose me to shows when he can. And I am somewhat basic, somewhat not. So my one of my favorite musicals is Wicked. I went to the 10th anniversary when that happened. I bought a book. I read all of those. And then I also studied theater in high school. So where we put on four shows a year, that would be a Shakespeare show. It would be a straight play. Then it'd be a musical. And then like a cute little theater, a show in our black box theater. And that's where I really like dived into not only musicals, but also ancient Greek theater, Shakespeare, as I said, and just really delved into, you know, English and American plays. And it was just a beautiful thing. And I love how me and my dad got to show about it. So yeah, Wicked is, I'm basic with Wicked. That's the best. Gotta love a green girl that sings high. And then I also love really awesome plays. So again, the basics like Streetcar Named Desire. And then I also love Shakespeare. So Taming of the Shrew is a big one. I try to go to Shakespeare in the park when I can stand on that line for so very long. It's sad that it's probably not happening this summer. But um, I love all types. And I don't have, like, I'm like a weird litmus test because I'm not zoned into one thing. And I love seeing all different types. And I just love how Broadway and how theater reflects society so intimately and so intensely. And it's just awesome finding new pieces of work as time goes on. Love it. We love range around here, don't we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. We got everything from Streetcar to Wicked. Uh, and I'm very glad to hear that you like Wicked because we are a very split team here at NBC. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm basic. Yes. I can't help it. Like, I try to be, like, more intense about, like, the music help. And then I'm just like, ugh. Gotta you know, stay sometimes with the you just gotta girl. have... You got to have your Stephen Schwartz and Adina and Kristen. You got the classics like that. I feel like Lauren and I are about the same age, and I'm like, I I get it. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like a thing for like our age. Just like you can't you can't not love it. Yeah, you can. It's really easy. (laughs) No. Yeah, we got one grump on here. It's less divided and one little grouchy. I know. It's like it's not divided. (laughs) It's everyone likes it except me. And I'm used to that being the case in any crowd I run in. And I have no problem with that because I have taste and you all don't. Oh, okay. (laughs) Kicking myself on a spicy note tonight. (laughs) Well, Lauren, like I said, we're very happy to have you on the team. Excited to have you join us for this first episode, which when we started talking about bringing you onto the team, we thought this was going to be a Tony's episode, Mm -hmm. which, you know, under normal circumstances it would. We would be talking about our predictions for the Tony Awards. Obviously, though, with the state of the world being what it is, everything's been upended and the plans have forced us to be a little creative. So while we hope to return to Tony's chatter in the near future, we're going to spend this episode discussing something else. Given that we just celebrated Mother's Day, we're going to continue that celebration by discussing our favorite mothers of Broadway. 
everything from our favorite characters to shows about mothers and everything in between. We've each picked our top three choices and are excited to go around the horn to discuss our very favorites. So without further ado, is everyone ready to go? Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Perfect. So kicking us off here, uh, I'm going to have everyone start with their number three choice, and we're going to go around the horn with that. Nicole, what is your number three choice in terms of Broadway mothers? So I wanted to try and avoid some of the obvious ones here, um, partially just so that we didn't have a bunch of overlap, which now I'm like, oh my God, if nobody talks about the women of ragtime, I'm going to regret this. But my number three is actually Sylvia in the musical Finding Neverland. Uh, A lot of people will probably be familiar with the movie Finding Neverland. I also had like a really intense Peter Pan phase growing up. Um, I was very into the Disney film and then the play and then had like a weird period where I was obsessed with J.M. Barry, um, as one does. But <laughs> so I think that that like definitely feeds into my love of this musical. But I saw Laura Michelle Kelly as Sylvia. Oh, God, like three times whenever Finding Neverland was on Broadway. It was the summer that I was there during college. And I think she has some of the most lovely songs. And I also think she has like the most wonderful lullaby in any Broadway show. Um, So I had to include her. She's a really fun mom, but a really caring mom. And of course, I would choose a mother who like dies from consumption. Like that's that feels right to me. (laughs) So Laura Michelle Kelly. Now she's one of your faves, isn't she? Oh, yes, she is. <laughs> okay, so this is a very I love a Broadway Laura. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, what was she in in London? Didn't she, like, have a career on the West End before coming to do Finding Neverland? Yeah. she. So she's had a, a pretty big career on both coasts, even going back to, like, she. I think she was, like, the in the ensemble of the Beauty and the Beast um, tour in the U.S. back in the day. Um, she's kind of done it all, but she's, she's really fantastic. I've also seen her in concert, and um, she's lovely. I love my Laura's. So what can I say? Well, look at that. You know, I know Funny Neverland didn't get the Tony's recognition that some thought it would, so that means no nomination for her. But, uh, you know, she's really continued to have a nice career after that. So if you are interested in Finding Neverland, I'm sure there's an album out there where you could go, you know, take a look at what Nicole's talking about and, you know, hear that lullaby sometime. It's it's a really underrated show, um, and I, I always recommend to people to check out the album. Sounds good. Uh, Dan, what about you? Number three. Uh, so my number three is a bit of a sentimental choice for me because uh, I played this character's son in my very first big musical production. Um, and that is uh, Mae Peterson from Bye Bye Birdie. Oh, I love Bye Bye Birdie. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> It, the English it holds a very wife. special place in my heart. It, no, <laughs> um, it holds a very special place in my heart because it. I Albert was like my first lead role, and it was one of the first shows I ever did. And anyway, Mae um, Peterson. She doesn't have a song, really. She just has a lot of pithy one-liners about how her son Albert has disappointed her. And I feel like, you know, we can all relate to that. (laughs) (laughs) She hates, um, you know, she hates his relationship with Rosie and it's, it's just like, it's so, it feels so true to a very certain specific overly doting, overly protective type of, 
Jewish mother, even though she's not Jewish, I don't think. Um, but no, she does have one song, um, you know, about how a mother doesn't matter anymore. And it, um, it's, she's just, she's just one of the funnier characters that I can think of in all musical comedy. And it, it's fun because even though her son is grown and, making her his own way for himself he can't escape her just like you can never escape your mother truly (laughs) that is a fun part played in 1960 on broadway by Kay medford of course and then you know done over the years i'm looking at a fellow may peterson's uh doris roberts did her in encores 2004 jane howdy shell in the 2009 broadway revival uh it's a good part for, you know, yeah. actors of and, a certain uh, age. Daly and the, in the TV movie with Jason Alexander and Vanessa Williams. And there you go. Love some Tyne Daly. So, May Peterson. You know, I like how so far we're on this track where these are like the more untraditional picks. We don't have, you know, the ones that immediately come to mind. And that's a great thing that we're able to dive a little deeper here. So, very good. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. Uh, Casey, what about you? Oh, I'm up next. Um, So even though there's a specific musical, but I don't know if everyone here is a big fan of but that there's certain songs from it that I love, which is Dear Evan Hansen, specifically Rachel Bay Jones' part. And her, so I wanted to focus on so, like mom's songs. And I think So Big, So Small is a beautiful song. And I think that what that character goes through as a mother, and I think that it, I don't know. It's just the one part of that show where I'm just like, I just, I like everything when she's on on stage. Okay, so, I am definitely true. like on record as hating Dear Evan Hansen, but the one thing I truly, truly love in it is that role, and particularly like Rachel Bay Jones in that role. So Casey, I totally feel you there. I actually, she's on like my short list. So I was like, what mom songs that aren't obvious? And I was just like, oh, well, duh, that one. Like <laughs> that, 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 was- that did it. She was also on my shortlist mostly because of that song, but also how like it's very po- it especially if you were have been lucky enough to see Rachel Bajons in this mm-hmm. role. It's like, and she makes it so clear that she is struggling and doing her best to stay positive and raise this very difficult young man. <laughs> it's it's a really great part. 
Yeah, I think it would also just like of a representation of like a single working mom, a modern single working mom on stage. I think that it's a, a good one. And that's our first Tony winning mother right there. So, you know, there you go. First milestone of the podcast. Very good. I, I've listened to the album of Dear Evan Hansen, but I haven't had a chance to see it yet on stage. So I've heard the song, but I think when I actually end up seeing the show one day, I'll you know get a better idea of why that character hits so hard for some people. That'll be great. So very good. Uh, Cody, what about you? Okay, so everybody's going to be listening to their mommies and their favorite stage mommies. I went a little unconventional. Um, number three is uh, just devoted to the sheer gall of, in Spring Awakening, putting the Mama Who Bore Me reprise immediately after the initial Mama Who Bore Me and just, like, completely <laughs> fucking it up, making it better than the original, slamming you into the world of the play. Uh, that's all I got to say. It is the moment. Facts. Thank you. <laughs> Cody. <laughs> when those drums kick in at the beginning of the song you have to stand up it is legally required <laughs> <laughs> so mama who bore me like that's those are the first two songs of the show right well it goes mama who bore me and then immediately into the reprise it's not like it's the song stops they like bravely had the choice of saying no that song's over this is a different song with the same title and it's at the very beginning isn't it oh yeah so that's like, OK, here's your song. And now we got another version of it. So if you're seeing the show for the first time, you're going to think the whole show is just Mama Who Bore Me over and over again. Well, yeah, no, maybe it's been, but no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, because that's just the bitch of the living, right? <laughs> Don't call the Mama yes. a bitch. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's perfectly appropriate in some instances. <laughs> Very good. Spring Awakening, great musical. Lauren, what is your choice for number three in terms of mothers or shows about them or songs about them. What do you have for us? I feel like during this podcast, we're going to figure out how similar me and Casey are. Cause on the theme of the working single mother, Casey picked a modern one. I'm going with a much more um, French pre French revolutionary one. And that's Fontaine from Les Mis. <laughs> I was hoping yes. someone would pick her. So Same. I'm basic. Let's go with it guys. So, <laughs> What I love about Fontaine is that she really does, for me as a viewer of the show, she really sets the play up for me, even though it is Jean Valjean's story. But seeing this woman do literally everything in her bones to provide safety and security for her child speaks to me that she literally will sacrifice everything in her life just to make sure her daughter's okay. And she ends up, you know, paying the ultimate sacrifice for that. But just the fact that she knows that her kid will be okay it makes it all the better for her. So that really speaks to me. And I think the actresses who get to play this role really provide that emotional base for the rest of this ridiculously long play. And it works. And by the end of the play, you see what her sacrifice results in. And I think it's a beautiful moment. Yeah. How you see everything from I Dream of the Dream to Lovely Ladies, you know, how she's put through the ringer within those 10 minutes on stage. Yeah. And know. it's literally just for her kid. And it's not just like, I'm upset. There's nothing for me to do. She goes, I need to make sure my daughter's okay. Yeah. That's so the back to back of, of that, call. it's, you know, it's such a gut punch and, you know, it sets you up for what the heart of the show is going to be about. Of course, like you said, Jean Valjean, he has bring me home or bring him home and all of that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, at the very beginning when you have, you know, everything with Fontaine, you understand why this man is so motivated throughout the show. And it's because of Cosette, you know, this mm -hmm. mother who's caring for the daughter. And when she's no longer there, you have a sort of a surrogate father figure 
taking over. And that's all because of the power of that character and the performance. So great choice. Very good. Any thoughts on Fontaine from the rest of the group? I know we're not lay Ms. Shy around here. Uh, that was my number two, but I might pick a different one because I had a lot of options. But yeah, no, I think that whole show is about loving someone more than yourself and sacrificing yourself. And I think that that's all culminates in her character. I mean, like her final moments prior prior to the finale is her like dying breath being like, take my child, please. And tell her that I love her. Like that's, oh, oh. I love Fontaine. She's my favorite character in Les Mis. I have a lot of feelings about Fontaine. Nicole, you are suspiciously quiet here. Oh, I mean, obviously I love Les Mis. Uh, I love Fontaine. She's, she, I mean, she is like kind of the beginning of the whole story. Um, and her sacrifice kind of sets off this chain of events. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a great pick. I, I'm also so grateful because I was like, somebody's got to talk about Fontaine on this episode, because if not, we're committing, like, blasphemy. So. <laughs> yes, with this group, I didn't expect anything less, which is why I didn't put her on my list. I figured, you know, we were so lame as heavy around here that, you know, someone was bound to put her, and yeah, I'm glad we did it in the first round. That's great. So for my number three pick, uh, I had a tough time narrowing this down to just three. I have a long list here of about 12 and I figure if someone names one of the three, I'll just you know move one up because there's so many great Broadway mothers out there. But for me, Nicole, ask and you shall receive. My choice is Mother from Ragtime. Yes, thank you. Yes. <laughs> I knew I could count on that, you. <laughs> when you said that, I was uh, thinking, you know, it's not just Mother. It's the Mothers of Ragtime because you also have Sarah. Yep. And, of course, Sarah has a phenomenal arc of her own. But for me, Mother is the character who comes full circle not all the way back to where she started, not back to before, but uh, <laughs> she does a total 180 from where she started, from the mother on the house on the hill in New Rochelle, mother's domain, to the very end of the show where you find her, spoiler alert for a 22-year-old show, uh, marrying uh, an immigrant you know, who lives this totally different life than her in the beginning of the show. But every change that she sees from the beginning of the 20th century, from finding this baby buried in the backyard of her house, to then forming a connection with this immigrant who has such a different lifestyle than her. She really has a full transformation that I love in a character, whether it's in film or theater. And Marin Maisie's performance is just legendary. Uh, you know, what a great loss when she died two years ago. But every moment she has, back to before, of course, being her, you know, signature song. But just seeing how far she comes by the end of it just really makes me fall in love with that character and all that she represents. Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt, but this is a preview of our full episode of the Next Best Theater podcast talking about Mothers of Broadway. In order to get the full episode, you will have to head on over to Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you will get the rest of this hour and 16 minute long episode along with other exclusive podcast content from us as well. You have been listening to the Next Best Theater podcast, part of the Next Best Picture podcast umbrella. You can subscribe to it on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we shall see you all next time.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.